Hey, we're live. Zach. Yo. Jared Dubin. Hey, yo. The Knicks Jake. are back. <laughs> so, uh, anything going on? All's quiet. No, here no in big New deal. York. Chris stops Porzingis moving to Dallas. Uh, so the deal, as reported by Shams and Woj, is uh, Porzingis, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr. going to Dallas for Dennis Burke. Smith. Uh, Trey Burke. Oh, too. and Trey Burke. I miss Trey Burke. For Dennis Smith, Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, and a likely first round draft pick going to New York. Uh, Jared, I want to start with you because, you know, you're the Knicks yeah. guy. Um, uh, well, look, the good news is either the Knicks sign two superstars or in free agency or I finally get to officially give up on the Knicks. So this is great for me. This is what it would take? You have, <laughs> if you haven't given up by now, I don't think you've given up at all. Well, it's just another excuse. I mean, sure. You know, you're building the case. Yeah. I'm 31 now. It's, it's been a long time. Yeah, man. By the time the summer comes around, I'll actually be 32 getting old, kind of childish to be the fan of a basketball team at this point. You know, I can justify it more. I mean, let me tell you, Jared, as someone who has uh, supported the Timberwolves for 30 years, <laughs> uh, there is nothing better than letting go of emotions when it comes to this crap fest. <sighs> uh, and we just added uh, Coach Thorpe to the call. Sorry, boy. Sorry, just got back from walking. That's all right. Uh, you, you heard the trade, right? Yes. This is um, this is pretty short-sighted by the Knicks. Right, what a shock. Whoa, the, the Knicks short-sighted? That's like saying it's going to be cold in the north in America in, like, January. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's it's just really weird. You've got – he's restricted free agent this summer. There was no reason to move him right now. Uh, again, I like Dennis Smith, but Christoph Porzingis is clearly, like, a much better player and and likely tops out as, as a better player. I don't think Dennis Smith is going to get to that level. Um, just a dumb trade unless – you started thinking about the salaries that they moved, yeah. and it sets them up to sign Kyrie and KD. Who's going to New York? They're not going. This, this is my question, Dave. Is like you, what you have done here, and granted, all right, you cleared space, and you have you yeah. have you have cap space, and that's fine. Now you can go, but all you have to pitch is please come save us. We're the Knicks. We would like to be good again. Please come save us. There is no culture. There is no, these guys will help you. Like, all right, even let's say they end up with Zion Williamson. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are not signing to play with a rookie. They're just guys, not. Like, that's not how the NBA works. What, what Breaking news. Right. Uh, Porzingis is going to sign the qualifying offer this summer. What? So he'll be a restricted free agent as most – Four no, no, no. to five years. He'll be unrestricted. He's, no, he's going to be unrestricted. Oh, oh he's going to sign. Oh, he's going to sign the qualifying offer. Oh, wow. wow. What? What does that mean? Um, so where is going the next year? So an unrestricted free agent. He'd be an unrestricted Lakers. free agent. No, no. I know. I know he can go yeah. elsewhere. But I'm saying, is there a, is there a, a bonus to doing that if he stays in Dallas, unrestricted? No. No. He would no. make much less money. Right. That's what I thought. I thought it was the opposite. Right. Mm-hmm. He'll for for one year, and I I don't know what his cap hold is for next year, or, or what his qualifying offer is. His for qualifying next year. offer is like, like four point something four million. Point, yeah. and his cap holds like seventeen. There you go. So 
Um, yeah, that's uh, risky, risky move by him, by the way, with an ACL. Yeah, he must you don't have come somewhere back from that, that like he knows him. he's going right. Like, although I guess being the first guy to get your unrestricted free agency five years in after being a lottery pick, maybe it, it works out differently. Uh, I guess. We literally just talked about this today that I think, you know, we're seeing all this pre-agency stuff where Anthony Davis, you know, a year, year and a half out from free agency is forcing his way to a team that he wants to go to. I I was saying that I think the guys signing the qualifying offer is the next version of that. Um, You know, we, we've gotten, gotten so far with how well people can take care of their bodies and how good the surgeries are and all these things. The risks aren't as high anymore. Still high. Yeah, my thinking was that he wanted to do this now because he wanted to open up the space for the designated veteran extension in the future so that he get got traded while still on his rookie deal because you can't get that third right. contract unless you get traded still on your rookie deal. Exactly. And But now he won't even be eligible for that Yeah, right. by signing the qualifying so offer. It makes you think he's not going to, to Dallas. He's not staying with Dallas. Like, Why would they do it? Just right. Yeah. So guys. he'd only be there for a year. I, I mean, again, this just came from from Shams that that he's going to let them know that he's not going to sign. it. I mean, I guess maybe Dallas feels like they could sell him. Yeah. I mean, that's also staying. something that can change. Right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. He could say, like, yeah, I'm going to sign the qualifier. And then they say, all right, well, how about right. a, how about a five year max? They, right. They have they have something to offer to going going back with um, with Zach was saying, you know, the, the Knicks are like. The most beautiful cruise ship ever created in, in 1975. All right? Docked <laughs> in a really boat. fabulous location. Docked in a beautiful location. The ship is garbage. The location's Someone fantastic. But you spend most of the time on the ship, not the location in that profession. It's just not, a, it's not the place to be. They can change that. Dallas, at least, has Luca. Like They've mm-hmm. got a very special guy. Uh, Luca and Porzingis is going to be pretty good next year. Yeah, really for a year. Por- maybe Porzingis like- might not want to leave. Yeah, maybe. Well, that's what they're banking on, right? I mean, Dallas is not like a small city. No, but even, but separate from the city, it's uh, if you're where he's from, uh, they treat their players great. Having talked to a lot of players that have played in Dallas, you know, it's it's a great place to be. It's a great city, but it's also a great franchise, and they have a elite talent. Luca's an elite talent. And if KP's an elite talent, it's just not going to be an easy place for him to leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's really uh... – now, now, what the Knicks got, right? So they got two expiring contracts, and they got – Who is very – I think he's going to be good. Yeah. And they, um, they were, like, very interested in Dennis Smith before the draft. Like, there was sure. a big split, I think, in the front office between taking Kyrie – or Kyrie uh, – taking Frank – and taking Dennis Smith, there were a bunch of people in the organization that really wanted to take him instead. And Phil and some of the other people in the organization just liked Frank better. So I, I, I do think that they think very highly of him. But this, I mean, is clearly about the cap space, right? Like New York, this, New York media is going to eat Dennis Smith Jr. alive. Not saying he can't come out on the other hand, but like he can't really shoot. And when he has another like four for 15 night, like they're going to be like, this is the guy we traded Chris Dass for. Like D Rose used to not be able to shoot. I mean, you're right. Exactly. I'll be talking about the coverage of it. Not what he can become, but he's rephrase that. He better learn how to shoot. He better learn how to shoot. Oh, they're going to eat him a lot. Yeah. Don't worry. The good thing is he's going to play next to Chris Dabbs and he makes all of his point guards better. Uh, 
Nope. Sorry. Never mind. He's going to make Luka Doncic better. <laughs> Christoph Sportsingis is going to make Luka better. For a year before he leaves. For a year before yeah. he goes to the Lakers to play yeah. with AD. He's not going to the Lakers. Uh, Alonzo Trier is not happy with the trade, folks. <laughs> oh. Ooh. You know, your star. What about Frank Nilakina? I don't know. I don't Do know. He, he, already, he already wasn't playing. He's not worried about that. He knows he's out of there. Um, Ethan, are you there? I'm there. My head is spinning. I went out uh, to the grocery store and I came back um, and this whole thing has happened. So I'm just reading and trying to catch up. I was, uh, I even, Oh, Berkeley bowl was great. I got a cherimoya. I think it's a very underrated fruit and it's in season right now. I believe uh, I would recommend it. I was asked about it in the checkout aisle, which always what makes me feel fancy. What? about it's in season what are you talking about it's custardy it's delicious if it didn't have seeds it would be the best fruit among all fruits Ooh, ethan are you a jackfruit guy are you oh you know jackfruit was also there i haven't actually even though i went to thailand i have not had jackfruit jackfruit's delicious it's really good but uh so next time how does this how does this porzingis trade affect the warriors uh (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, no, the so, only everything is about playing defense like Kevin Durant going to New York. I mean, that, that's that's what everything revolves around that. So if you guys could explain to me how that complicates or expedites that eventuality, that's really the entire game right there. Yeah. Well, let, let me, let me, the can I speak for the rest of the have, league? Uh, yes. Here, here's what I say about the rest of the league. If KD goes to uh, New York, no one's going to give a fuck because Steph Curry ain't going with him. So he's a great uh, what scorer. What a play does. What a huh? play goes with him. Whatever. It won't matter. <laughs> Let go. Golden State's going to continue to win as long as they have Steph Curry or, or, or unless Steve Curry retires or something. Curry's the best player of them all. Uh, K- KD, I, I mean, he can do it for business reasons. I have no problem with him. He went to Golden State for a good business reason. And he won. But I don't think he's doing that. That's, that's just a dumb move. This is just a reminder, by the way, that this stuff doesn't just happen. This has been in the works. Like you don't it, it wasn't that the Chris Tapps had a meeting and then the Mavericks like, oh, we might not be happy. Let's go trade for it. Like this stuff has been in the works. We talked Again, about this two hours ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, it came out two hours ago, but this trade has been brewing for a couple of days. And I, I'm of the opinion that that they may have known um, they played last night. 100 percent. They knew. Right. And there's a video uh, floating around, which I'll see if I can find. Um, of Luca and Porzingis talking to each other. I mean, like I, I feel like they had to know that this was this was a deal. It was happening, not because they were talking. No, no, no. I mean, I think that they knew about it. I, Porzingis probably had some idea that he was getting moved, and probably had an idea that he was getting moved to Dallas, or at least that there was the potential to move to Dallas. When is Porzingis coming back? What's the uh, what's he can the, come back the whenever? Really, whenever he's healthy. He, the, the Knicks just weren't going to play him because they wanted to tank. <laughs> right. How many games plays right Dallas. off the All-Star ground? And like regarding the Durant thing, I mean, I think the only thing that affects it is this morning they had zero max cap space slots in their books, and now they have two. But that doesn't mean he should want to come. Uh, he'll sign with Kyrie, and they'll come, and they'll make the Knicks fun. Yeah. Well, look, this this happened in 2010, and the Knicks got LeBron, Wade, and Bush. percent. Uh, I remember that. They played in Miami, but they but that was a Knicks team. Hey, if, if Davis goes to the Lakers and KP can play after the All-Star break for Dallas, those 26 wins for the Lakers, 23 for the Pelicans. I mean, sorry, for the Mavericks. Clippers are in a lot of trouble for that eight spot. Utah is probably smoking. Yeah. 
they're fine. But uh, that's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a second last uh, two months uh, for that for that spot. All right, y'all. Good luck, Jared. I got to go. I got to go work. Uh, love you guys. See you. Uh, Jared. Yeah. You still there? Okay. So, um, I, I mean, I guess going forward, it just that's what it seems like, right? It's it's all in on landing superstars. Yeah. I mean, not not that that wasn't already the case anyway. Um, they were working on deals throughout the whole season to see if somebody would take Hardaway, Lee, or both. I know that they called around a lot about Lee over the summer, and then you know he had this neck thing. Uh, at the start of the season, wasn't really playing, didn't come back until like the middle of December, then only played very sparingly. Um, I don't know how proactively they had reached out about Hardaway, but they definitely, you know, listened to some things. There was that Kings rumor, I think back in December or something like that. Um, I, I am surprised that they basically just said, okay, take both of those guys and you can have Chris Stapps and we'll take essentially nothing. Um, a good franchise would have very strong intel that they actually are getting guys this summer. Um, I mean, they they might have strong the intel. They might have strong intel that they're getting guys this summer. And I mean, this is look, if I'm just reading this and look, I'm just processing this whole thing and sending out text messages, but you would have to believe that the Knicks believe they're getting Kevin Durant. I agree. Right. Right. You don't, you would, mean, don't do this. They're unless, right. Yeah. But they're probably believing that. Yeah. They yeah. also believed they were getting LeBron a few years ago, though. Like the the Knicks' belief that they're getting someone as both right. a Knicks fan and someone who covers the league just doesn't mean like all Fox that much News to me. Reporting something. Can we add Rich Kleiman to this to this call? Uh, let me get his. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let, get his fire text. Yeah, of, Rich might do it. Rich Rich does podcasts. He might do it. I don't know. <laughs> I'll see Rich tonight. I'll see. I'll see Rich tonight. I'll see. Uh, I think I'm supposed to, unless something comes up, interview Lake up tonight about something different. Um, so I don't know. It could be an interesting night at Oracle talking about all these machinations. But yeah, I think from the Warriors perspective, you now know that the Knicks believe as opposed to possibly hope as opposed to wish casting that they believe they're getting Kevin Durant. Um, and so adjust accordingly, I guess. What about Kyrie? I mean, does this, do you feel like, I mean, cause now they'll have, they'll have the space for two guys. They can sign two guys, right? I don't have the sheet. Let me pull up the sheet so I can Here, just take a look. Thing. What is What does Kyrie want exactly? It's a little unclear. He has his own team. Uh, the team is really good and looking to improve, looking to trade guys who aren't you in order to improve. And so it's confusing to me as to why he wants to be on his third team now. Um, I just don't, I don't, completely understand it, but I don't know Kyrie. So maybe it makes sense within the realm well, that's, of Kyrie. That's Brad Stevens team though. So when you say he has his own team, like that's very much a, a Brad Stevens team, right? Like he's the star. Well, the Knicks won't be Kyrie's team. If, if, if KD's there. Yeah. 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 I don't think anybody's walking around. By the way, is, is KD going to want that to play uh, with? I to mean, play with Kyrie, like is, is the whole thing, like oh, this didn't fulfill me in Golden State, and I got to go have my own also, team. Also, keep in mind that KD doesn't exactly love uh, to be the big man in a pick and roll, right? Uh, right. He he kind of likes to play like a guard, um, which you know the Warriors try to share the ball a lot and and try to make it all work. But I, I, I'm just picturing Kyrie dribbling all all around the court, right. and I, I'm just not sure exactly how that's going to come together. Look, if I had to guess, 
and I don't have any special intel. I'm sure it's a little up in the air now as far as what Kyrie is going to do. Um, I I would guess Kyrie just stays in Boston. That just seems to be the, the path of least resistance. Uh, so many years ago, Amari Stoudemire is in Phoenix playing with Steve Nash and, you know, all league center and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I got a call from someone very close to well, let me turn my phone off. I got a call from him very close to him. That was like an advisor, a strong, strong place in person in his life. And basically he said, you know, he's, he's sick of playing with Steve Nash. I'm like, what are you talking about playing? You mean a guy that gets him the ball everywhere possible and is maybe one of the best, maybe the best shooter of all time. So he's got good gravity, whatever. Well, you know, he, he dribbles too much, whatever, which he does dribble a lot. And I just said, whenever Amari leaves, he's going he's gonna to look back like literally a day later and think, oh, my God, what, what in the hell was I doing? KD is playing with the real deal, the best shooter of all time, one of the best three or four offensive players probably in the history of basketball. And, and my, in my eyes, Ethan's there, but I watch him. And, and Steph is you know, one, of the, one of the best teammates, selfless teammate, not afraid of the moment, but also not afraid of sharing the moment. Those are very rare things. Nothing against Kyrie. He ain't no Steph Curry. Uh, he's just not Steph Curry. And that's going to be a cold slap in the face for anyone going from Curry to, to anyone, not just Kyrie, anyone. There's only one Steph Curry. Uh, just to kind of take it back to like the on-court stuff, Por- Porzingis fits so naturally in Dallas. I mean, it, it, if he's going to come back, let's say he's back, I don't know, in a month and he's healthy, that's that's really good pick and roll partner for Luka. Um, they, they added Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway. So they've got guys that can score. I wonder if a Harrison Barnes deal is, is going to be coming. Um, this is just my guess that they might try to do that. Uh, that's going to be a fun team to watch. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, I'll have fun with it. A lot more fun than the Knicks that are going to be not fun at all. I, do you think Deandre Jordan might be a buyout candidate? Is that any chance? Is that too much money? What is he? Urban? It's a lot of money. Urban? They can, they can, they can buy him and stretch him, can't they? Um, I mean, they they could, uh, but he's an expiring, so I don't think they'd do that. But maybe they could come to a to a buyout agreement. I don't I don't think that the Knicks would wave and stretch DeAndre because their whole thing is they want to use their cap space, right? So if they do get rid of him, they're going to try to, and they they can't package him with anybody else. So I would imagine they'll shop him around for yeah. the next week, and if nobody <laughs> takes him, then. They can buy him out if that's what he wants. They can keep him if that's what he wants. And I would imagine they'll do the same thing with Wes Matthews, the same thing with Ennis Cantor. And they'll try to trade Moutier and Vonley and anybody else who's not nailed down for contracts that end also this year and, you know, attached to worse players and maybe like second round picks or something like that just to, you know, liquidate everything they possibly can. Yeah, I, I'm I'm waiting on updated cap sheets so I can actually see what what their summer is going to look like. But I do believe this move allows them to to sign two guys. Yeah, just outright. they'll have like uh, seventy six million in cap space. So I mean that I mean that's big news because forty seven percent of the league is going to be free agent this summer. Right, but when they wind up with like. Tobias Harris and KCP and the third best Duke guy. It's not going to be that fun.
and that means Nerder She Wrote. We're live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash count the dings, which if you're listening to this on the audio only version, it's too late, but maybe you can go check the video. We've been uh, having a lot of jiffable faces. I guess jiffable, I just made up that word. Uh, joining me as always, Coach David Thorpe. Coach, how's it going? I am well, thank you. How are you? Awesome. I am doing really, really well. Uh, the puppy is kind of sorting himself out a little bit. Uh, we're not having any bathroom issues. It's fantastic. Uh, and making a return appearance, the first repeat guest since I took over for Tom Haverstrow, my main man, Adam Marez. How are you? I'm good, and I didn't know that, so that makes me feel extra special. There you go. Back by popular demand. Is that right? Back, back to back by popular demand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Off to a slow start here. Listen, so I, I want to talk about this polar vortex real quick because I don't so, know what you're talking about. Exactly. Like, I have no idea what you mean. 70% of the country is experiencing freezing temperatures. And I mean, it's this is like a, a, a humanitarian travesty in a lot of places. Um, so I don't want to make too light of it. It is it is terrible. Uh, but Adam, like you're in a place that's actually cold. Is it any colder right now than normal? I tell people this all the time. Denver is a lot warmer than people realize. Well, it's, it's 50 it's, degrees. All week it's 50 degrees until I think uh, – uh, let's see until Tuesday of next week. So okay. Denver, Denver's not experiencing this, this negative cold wave or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, it's dry and sunny there. Right. So that helps yeah. 300 days of sunshine a year. That's right. It's good promo. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Don't move to Denver though. Cause the traffic is already terrible. You know, who should move to Denver? Anthony Davis. <laughs> what a great segue. Anthony Davis has officially requested a, a trade. He's been fined. Because his agent actually didn't beat around the bush, which I, I you know, I respect it. Fifty thousand dollars, he makes that in eight minutes, not a big deal. Um, there are some bigger ram, ramifications to to this sort of thing, uh, but but certainly, you have to look at the situation. We, you know, Coach Thorpe and I have talked about it for a while. Adam, you and I have talked about it for two years, which is just wild to think about. Um, he's going to be moved. The question is, will he be moved before next Thursday's trade deadline? Or are they going to hang on to him for the rest of the year and move him this summer when they can actually get more teams involved in the bidding? Uh, Adam, I'm going to start with you. I think realistic scenario, he should be trying to get to Denver. If he wants to win, Denver is the move. Yeah, but I don't think it's even on his radar. I mean, there's a chance Denver pulls in Oklahoma City and tries to just insert themselves in the conversation, takes a huge risk. But that's what it would be. It would be a huge risk. I think it's very clear that the markets that have been discussed are the ones that are either on his radar, just the ones most likely to get involved. But yeah, as far as just throw everything else out and just talk about a fit, why not? put together two of the most uniquely skilled bigs in the game that, oh, by the way, I think complement each other really, really nicely. I, I think it would be a very, if nothing else, it would be a very, very fascinating pairing and, and it would be a lot of fun for NBA fans. I just sadly don't think it's realistic at all. Yeah. Coach, uh, the Lakers have been very, very aggressive thus far. Uh, Woj and Zach Lowe just, just put out an article where they talked about uh, basically Dell Demps took the call from the Lakers, but he's not returning the call. Um, you're you're a really big fan of Lonzo and and Brandon Ingram and uh, you know all the young guys that 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 they have there in L.A. Uh, do you think that's the best deal? Is the Lakers deal the best deal? Okay, can we cut? Can we? Are we allowed to cross? By the way, yes. So can we I think Twitch around? actually, yeah, Twitch <laughs> gives us a bonus. I think if we do, listen, he's going to L.A. 
Uh, right. I've said this for months. LeBron signed a long, long-term deal. He didn't do it because he thought Ingram and Ball would be great players. He damn sure didn't do it because he thought Magic and, and, and Rob are brilliant at what they do. They were great at what they used to do. This is a new thing for them. He's fucking going to play for L.A. done. That's what the best players in the world finally are doing, like the best engineers and the best software guys in this and the best doctors. They control their destiny. He's go, he, he, He's not just going to go contend. He wants to make sure he's got someone that's as serious about it as he is. LeBron's more serious. And LeBron, what they're knowing, he's getting Anthony Davis. Who else they might get, you can argue. I thought KD was a real shot. Kyrie they're talking about now. You know, I, I didn't predict Chris Bosh was going to Miami. I thought LeBron was back in the day. So Davis is going to L.A. If teams are dumb enough to try to get rid of a Tatum or the Grizzlies pick in the Celtics case or whoever the Nuggets would have to trade, be idiots if you want to be idiots. The guy's going to L.A. If, I, if I'm the Pelicans, I take everything I can get from the Lakers. I, what I'm doing right now before I take any calls from Palenka or Magic is I'm deciding what I want to do as a franchise. Do I want to bring in a lot of talented, relatively young players? I'm not very young in the case of, of Lonzo and put them with Drew and they have Miritich uh, and grow fine. Do I want to try to add, let's say, Vucevic? I tweeted this the other day. There, there's a way to get Vooch from, from Orlando. You got to get a three-team thing going. You could also get Terrence Ross and maybe make a playoff run for the eighth spot this year and then try to convince those guys to stay after that. Well, in the case of Vooch, or do you want to just go super young? And, and move Drew at the same time, not in the same deal necessarily. So they've got to make that decision. And while you're making that decision, you first want to see what's what's possible. So then you can really decide, I want to go curtain A, curtain B, curtain C, curtain D, because here's what my options are. You know what LA is going to offer, which is everything except for LeBron, basically. Yeah. Okay? So that's what's going to happen. And if and teams aren't stupid, uh, Adam's point is good about can, can they do what Oklahoma City did and put their names in? Why would they do that? They're number two in the West now. I know Adam's not saying they would. It yeah. makes sense in theory, but in practice, they, they've already got a stud five. Okay, they they really do. Like, and, and, it's amazing. And with with a team like Denver, and I actually think Toronto, uh, it would it could be an issue. The depth that they have, they would sacrifice for Anthony Davis. And and of course, yes, you do it. But at the same time, there are chemistry things. Yeah, you got to try to to rebuild your your chemistry on the fly. We saw last year with Denver, they struggled to, to reintroduce Paul Millsap. Now, Anthony Davis is a much better player and, and I'm sure that they would figure it out and it would be fantastic. And they would instantly be like neck and neck with the Warriors, I think. Um, but no, Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic, you're shaking your head. Come on. No, the best player in the world is Steph Curry. So as long well. as the Warriors have Steph Curry, <laughs> they have an advantage. But yes, of course, you're right. Yeah. Jokic yeah, yeah. and Davis would be unbelievable. Right. But they don't have Steph Curry. That's a and, and that's thing. true. I, but hold on. I love that you talked about Denver's depth. Yeah. Because that's exactly what I what I think the Pelicans can do when it's all said and done, is I think they can make themselves into a Denver-like team or that anyone as good as, as Jokic, because there just isn't anyone that they can get that's as good as Jokic. But they can be unbelievably deep and play crazy fast. Even if you get Vooch, who – who runs better than people want to think? You you can't play you can't play the way Denver plays because Jokic is better than anyone you have. But you can go 11, 12 deep, and there's a lot of games where teams lose because they just don't have the depth, and their starters are banged up or they rest them. 
But you can win those games in New Orleans and at least give your franchise some relevance instead of just going back to the drawing board where they hope to one day get an Anthony Davis and then he's gone in six years. But, but Coach, is that a consolation? Because I keep coming back to this. The Pelicans can have this team that you're talking about that tops out to me as a five through eight seed in a loaded Western Conference. You and mean just, for the next five years they top for, out or, or this year? I, I mean, I just think it's really hard if you put together a team that's good but not great, you get stuck in that zone. And I don't think a package of the players we're talking about with L.A., even if you throw in an, a separate trade that brings them a guy like Vooch, I just don't think that's a team that's very good. I mean, I mean, they're good. Okay, they're a playoff but, but Adam, team. So, Adam, but here's what you're saying, because I hear this all the time. You're making that judgment on who they are now playing for one of the worst franchises right. in, in the sport. They're glitzy. They're amazing. Los Angeles is great. They have a great history. But their franchise sucks. OK, don't tell me Brandon Ingram can't be an all star. Don't tell me Lonzo Ball can't be an all star because they aren't that now. That franchise sucks. Have you seen D'Angelo Russell play lately? <laughs> right. No one thought he was going to be any good when he was in L.A. He's fucking good. We're going to yeah. get there. Good. We're going to get to to that <laughs> point exactly in a minute. But I do want to I, I want to stick with this with this A.D. thing because it's extremely interesting. OK, we know he's going to go to L.A. All right. It's a done deal. It's happening. He's either going to go there. By by hook or by hook, he's gonna by by trade or he's gonna go uh, and sign as a free agent. Okay, LeBron is not getting any younger, right? He's he's still struggling with this groin injury, which you know I talked about when it when it happened. I didn't see him coming back before the All Star break. It makes no sense. There's a good shot LA's missing the playoffs this year, right? Yeah, there's a uh, better shot. I, I look the the record. Think I well, yeah, if they course, get Anthony think, Davis, though, they still have to run off a, a, like a lot of wins. I think they need to go 19 and 12 the rest of the way to reach 45 wins, which is yeah. a pretty good. That's a pretty good run. And yeah. yes, if they have everybody, if they get Anthony Davis and LeBron and they stay healthy the entire way, they, they do that. But one thing goes wrong. Yeah, of yeah. course. Right. And I think any Anthony Davis deal, I, I'm with you. I, I think that Dell Depps, Dell Demps should be on the phone saying, OK, I want Kuz, I want Hart, I want uh, Lonzo, Zubac, I want Ingram, Zubac, I want Zubac, right. and I want Ingram. four picks. Yeah. And give me four number one picks. <laughs> and L.A. should do it. Still worth it. They should do it. Because, it. <laughs> you know, it's crazy to think guys like Anthony Davis just do not pop up for trade. They, they are never available. Kawhi Leonard, I'm sorry, like he's a great player. Anthony Davis is on a different level. Yeah. I mean, he's just that much better, right? Just, just that much. He's on that Steph Curry, that KD. I mean, that's a that is a generational style talent. I mean, he and just, oh, by the way, games. an incredible fit next to LeBron James. I mean, the basketball those two can create off of simple actions would be would be right. pretty wild. Okay, so and and it seems like LeBron is willing to take. I mean, he said this before: take a step back and be the 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 one B to AD's one A. You put those two guys in the spread, pick and roll, and they're both going to be it, it, Guys, it, it, it doesn't matter. They used to say this about the Celtics when they when they had Ray and KG and Paul Pierce. I'll never forget this. Uh, they're in the finals, and I, I want to say it was on NBC, but I could be wrong. And uh, and they're being interviewed, and someone asked the question, "Who takes the last second shot?" And I think KG and Pierce point to Ray Allen, and Ray Allen points to Pierce. And in their in their playoff run where they won the championship. KG won a series MVP. Pierce won a series MVP. I think the last series, the finals, and Ray Allen won a, a series MVP. It doesn't fucking matter, right? One A, one B, like you said. Whether it, it, it spread, pick and roll. Uh, there, there, now there are some problems. Okay, there's some problems. Davis doesn't want to be a five. 
and get right. his ass kicked. You got Jokic, you got Nurkic, you got Cousins, you got Adams. We can go on, right? Go there. Not that he's yeah. so physical, but he's not getting lighter as the year goes on. Anthony's going to have to get banged up, and that's going to take a toll on him. Now, how do you, how do you, what's the antidote to that? Play faster. LeBron doesn't want to play faster. He wants to walk it up. But so he did play, hang on, but he was playing the fastest pace of his career before he got hurt. Exactly. You just made my case. <laughs> okay? and, they, and he knows that too. Touché. So, so that is an issue that they're going to have to work through. And But they can make that adjustment next year and bring in a different five. They can go after Marcus All, for example, whatever, and let Anthony play more of a four. I want to get to one of the points Adam made. Uh, in, in theory, I'm right. In practice, you're not wrong. Because the Pelicans suck as a franchise too. So, the, so you're not wrong. You can get all these guys in. They're not going to be any good, probably. Right. right? There might be yeah. one of them may develop, but it's a it's a bullshit franchise. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right. And so those guys are going to New Orleans, and now Randall's playing great. Okay. I, I actually like Alvin Gentry. The system is is good for him. But unless they make changes, and I'm not even blaming Del Demps. I don't know who's in charge. It's a football team. Okay, it's run by football guys. Right. I have no right. idea if Dempsey's want to do 25 amazing moves and they're told no every time. I don't know if he wants to have cryo chambers and a chef and all these other great things. That That's why Paul George went back to OKC. It's right. fucking the Garden of Eden just in a, in a reg- regular city. It's an amazing franchise and how Sam runs it, okay, and the owner. So, yeah, he went back there. He's got a great partner in Westbrook, and it's a beautiful place to play basketball if you're a professional basketball player. New Orleans is none of that. So unless they change, it won't matter what they get. So what's the point anyway? Hopefully they'll <laughs> change up from the top, and then they'll, they'll develop this talent. Oh, ownership remains the greatest competitive advantage or disadvantage right. in the league. And, I you totally know, agree. I keep bringing up OKC in relation to New Orleans. Now, New Orleans is the 30th, 30th uh, media market in the NBA. They are dead last. Yeah. But Oklahoma City is not much bigger. And what they've done, the owner got really good basketball people, really smart basketball people. Sam Presti essentially runs the franchise, and the owner isn't involved meddling. Okay, Now, what you've got in in New Orleans is the owner isn't involved at all, meaning not even cutting checks for the things like you mentioned. And then the, the basketball part is not run by basketball people. They don't know what they're doing. It's a mess. They need, honestly, they need new ownership or a complete revamp from top to bottom where the ownership just says, you tell us what you need. We'll write the checks. Why this conversation is a little bit depressing is because we we analysts and fans, we always like to talk about the game and try to play GM and come up with the best move. But your guys' both point is it doesn't matter because no matter what you give New Orleans, it's going to turn out the exact same way. So probably. I get, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think that they are in a position where they don't have to just bottom out. I mean, they really like Drew Holiday is a very good player and he's not oh, good. He's Randall's player, player. And but here's the thing: if they do want to bottom out, which is probably the smart move, okay, and not necessarily no, moving no. Drew. No, no. Well, listen, hear me out. Okay. I could argue both ways. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But Miritich isn't expiring. They could get something for Miritich because he's a very good player who would help a bunch of teams. Yeah. Uh, OKC would would give them something good Philly for Miritich. Love, Philly would love to have him too. Right, Philly. Uh, uh, Utah. I mean, he, he's been good in a lot of places. So Miritich is a guy who's got some value around the league. Adam Mar- uh, Adam Morris. Sorry. Really good player. He was, he Adam was really very good, good in New Orleans. Uh, uh, <laughs> Julius Randle is a very good player who could help teams. Now, he, he can't play the five, though. Like, he, he defensively, is just unplayable there. But he can help out some teams. Teams are going to be interested in him. He's so young. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to move on to this point. 
Julius Randle, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Emmanuel Moutier, all these four or five-year guys who wind up looking valuable. Like Julius Randle, someone will take him. He's going to be a, uh, a free agent this summer. So someone could actually get him to maybe stay and, and maybe at a discount. Um, but yeah, all right. So that's enough New Orleans. Let, let's move on to, to the other thing I want to talk about. Julio Okafor unleashed. Beast. Beast. Right? I, I was impressed with them last night. Julio has been fantastic. And it's amazing what just having an opportunity and being in shape has done for him. Yeah. Um, and being humbled and being humbled a little bit. That, I, that's the biggest part, honestly, is that he is now in a role that is not, you know, he's not the number two pick, you know, feed everything yeah. through him, but he just fits within the system and he's good there. And, and this, again, give New Orleans credit. This is another guy, Julius Randle, Julio Okafor, four-year guys, given up on kind of by their previous franchises in in Julio's case, and now actually showing stuff where they they might have some value going forward. Last five games for for Julio, averaging twenty points a game, ten and a half rebounds, two point four blocks. What's and his you, percentage? What's his field goal percentage? Field goal percentage is sixty-seven percent. Yeah, he's yeah. crushing it. He's hey, I mean, in he looks, 32 minutes a he game. He looks like he's playing with children again, which is what he looked yeah. like in college when he, he was a young guy. You know what I like about his game? And this is, I think, becoming an, uh, a more popular skill for bigs. He has the great touch on little shots right outside the restricted oh. area. It's not they're not dunks. They're not above the rim finishes. They're just little, not quite floaters. They're in between that zone. Such great touch on those. He's got I, great touch. His feet great are amazing. He, oh, yeah. he moves you say, down like a Yeah. His footwork. It's it's beautiful. Footwork and hands, fantastic. By the way, he has plenty of dunks too. Right, sixty-seven percent. Right. He's he's got big fucking hands, big mitts. Um, he just professional bucket getter. Yeah. And I th- I think I mean Adam agreed that when I talked about uh, humility a little bit, but I happen to think conditioning was the most important thing. He was fat. That that's why going back to Denver, uh, did that do us? If that sucker would lose 30, 40 pounds, I mean my goodness, because he's already ridiculous. Let me ask you this one, though, Coach, yeah. because I go back and forth on this. I think his wind – we're talking about Jokic here. His Jokic. wind, I think, has been very, very good. He's been able yeah. to play 40, 38 minutes and not yeah. get tired. But he That's does have he that – everywhere. He does, and he's really slow. But, you know, he uses his body mass really, really well. And okay. I don't – and so I don't I understand know. what you're saying. No, listen. Uh, I've learned – I learned the hard way. When my very first ever student – I've said many times, Udonis Haslam was a huge muscle guy. Right. When he went to France, he hated the food. He lost all this weight. I first trained him, thought he was cancerous, seriously. Uh, I mean, I saw him before I trained him, and I'm like, Jesus, what's wrong with him? Because he was so famous in our state for being Hercules, basically. Yeah. And what I was amazed at, what I recommended to keep the weight up, Billy Donovan, that way back then, said, no, no, you got to put weight back on. I, my argument was he didn't get drafted heavy. Let's try that. He went from 275 to 222. People think I did that. I did none of it. He did it in Europe. I had nothing to do with it. I just argued that he should keep it off and let's see how you play more athletically, whatever. And when I saw his, oh, he didn't forget how to use that. He learned his bo- use his body. He, he didn't forget how to use it. He knew how to use it. He didn't have as much mass, but he understood how to use his ass and his yeah. hips and his shoulders. And so I don't think Jokic necessarily has to get, what does he weigh, do you think, Adam? It's just a guess. But what do you think? He's like 270. 270, 275. Or more. Yeah. Right. So if, he doesn't have to get to 240. He just has to change his body. He'll get much better lift. He'll be able to use bursts of speed more frequently. Yeah. I think he's having to retain energy a lot. The po- and he hasn't played in the postseason yet. That's going to drag on too because he's – I mean, I, I never saw Arvita Sabonis in his prime. 
But Jokic has some things that like, like you could talk about Sabonis with him. He's, he's so, but Sabonis was a world-class athlete when he was younger. I think mm-hmm. we don't know what Jokic is. If Jokic, right. by the way, you know how fat Paul Millsap was in college? Yeah, he was fat. Yeah. Really? Now, not. Right. right? Huh. His whole career, not. Yeah, he's very lean. You say, very, very. You would say he's an athlete. Right? Millsap yeah. was an athlete. He wasn't in college. I don't yeah. know. What, how old is Jokic? <laughs> yeah, no, 24. Right. Who's Jokic? 24? 23. 23. I mean, dude, three years of changing his body, all of a sudden, that guy might be doing cartwheel dunks. I don't know. His, his, handle, is now. his handle is a lot better than people realize and his ability to just kind of get past guys. So I do think if you got a little bit of quickness there, you would lose. I, I still think you might lose a little bit of the being able to, to overpower guys, but he's just so skilled with the ball that I think he would out quick guys just as much. I, I know this when I watch him play, if I was devising a scouting report against them in the postseason, I pressure the fuck out of that guy. I like, I like, I didn't like their coach at all. He's done a great job in Denver. There's no argument. And, and every guy you seem to play finds a way to look like they're good. That's coaching, right? Yeah. It's also a franchise and ownership, but it's coaching. Uh, no, no question about that. So all the credit to them. But um, uh, when I like that he lets Plumlee even bring it up the court after a yeah. rebound sometimes. Uh, that's yeah. what, that's what uh, Horford's really good at. And Noah, when he was back in his prime. But if it's Jokic, I am guarding that fucker immediately and zigzagging his well, ass. Not to him, steal from him. I just want to wear him down. You yeah. do to him what what people say you should do to Harden. But Jokic isn't as good at drawing fouls as Harden, right? No. Uh, okay, no, and he'll get out of shape. He'll get tired. Back to back to my second draft, guys. Okay, mm-hmm. because this one is also close to Adam's heart. Emmanuel Moutier looks like a useful player. And I stand, I, I, I will stand by my, my take that Emmanuel Moutier was a guy, he came into the league, he had been bigger than everyone he played at every single level for so long that he never had to develop the skill. You look right now, he's averaging, this is just raw numbers, 14.7 a game, playing 26 minutes. It's really good. Um, he's shooting like 31% from three. That's fine. You know, for for the three and a half, he's shooting a game. Right. Um, but he's getting to the free. He's three point two free throws in twenty six minutes. That's a huge improvement for him. I don't think that was ever a question for him. Um, his like physical tools, and he's not the quickest guy, but he no. is. He's a really strong guy, and he has a quick Very first strong. step. That first step is good, and and so getting to the line is not something I that surprises me with him. I think that was always a, a potential for him to be a, a player that excels at that. The big thing I notice is fifty one percent from the from two. Um, that's where he was. He could have been a useful player in Denver had he just finished at the rim and finished through contact. He was one of the worst finishers I had seen. So if he cleans that up, then I think he can be a useful player, but I still just question his decision-making. He's still a player that I think, um, you watch and you just want to pull your hair out because he, he so routinely makes confusing decisions. D'Angelo Russell, another guy that a franchise sort of, I'm not going to say they gave up on him. They 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 had to get rid of that Mozgov contract. I know because they wanted to get LeBron. But <laughs> nineteen and a half a game, six and a half assists, both you career what, highs. You right? see what he's done three times this year. You see that stat? I think What's it's that? Uh, oh, over it, thirty-five, seven assists and no turnovers. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and you see how many times it's been done? Like, zero, right? Well, he's very the first I don't guy. Know, zero, very very few. He's done it three times this year. Yeah, like that's extraordinary. He's also got a great coach too. Um, I think he's learning the game. Yeah, and that's that's a big factor, especially when Adam talks about decision making. That doesn't just happen through osmosis, playing and watching. 
Look at Pop. I, I watched I watched the Spurs and Derek White looks like he's gonna be an all-star. Not not like a dramatic all-star MVP candidate, just the the third best player on the best team in the league one day. Like he looks like that. Makes shots, bucket getter, decision maker, under control. And he was in the G League a year ago. That's that's quality coaching and getting feedback every day on on how to co- how to play better. You saw you saw the other day Pop called timeout 16 seconds into the game. Like they're, they're, I mean, I've done that before. It's, it's, if you give a message before the game starts about jumping on it and the very first play, they screw up timeout because it's not going to matter for that game. You've got their attention. It can matter the next time. Well, that's coaching. so, uh, so the, the bigger point you bring up pop, right? The Spurs are known for finding these guys for finding the guys that other teams have given up on and, and fixing whatever is wrong with them. But it seems like more teams are, are at least choosing smarter. I, again, that's the one thing that New Orleans has done that's pretty good. Obviously, the Nets, I mean, Sean Marks comes from from the Spurs, so he's got that that same thing. Why can't teams like the Lakers and uh, the Knicks, and uh, the Knicks got Moutier, but uh, they kind of got lucky there. Why can't they seem to figure it out? Like, why are they resting on their laurels? But then you've got a team like Brooklyn that's in a big market who's actually looking on the margins to try to get better. I mean, part of that's, they, they had to because they abandoned all their draft picks in the in the Paul Pierce and KG trade. But why aren't more teams thinking about this from that from that angle? Well, because they're stupid. <laughs> I, I, it, that was easy. It's so obvious that that if you don't do it, you're just ignorant. It, it's just such an easy way to fill at least fill the roster out with guys that you're taking a swing, right? Like if, if, if Jaleel Okafor costs nothing to bring in. And see what he's got in year four. But, but I would argue this, though, guys. I, I don't think it's just – I don't. I think we're making a mistake if we're looking at just the player. It's it's the culture you're building behind the scenes and the yeah. development and, the, and all those kinds of things that are helping create that no matter who the guy is. It's the same reason why some guys can continue to play well. I'll give an example. If you put Tom Brady – I don't follow football, but I know who Tom Brady is and I know he's amazing. But I promise you, Bill Belichick's a big part of that solution. A big, big, big part of that success. I'm not at all suggesting that Brady without Belichick would be would suck and vice versa. I am telling you that Tom Brady with the Buccaneers would not be this Tom Brady. He'd already be owning his own company. Right. He wouldn't be playing football anymore. Right. That, that combination is what's needed. And so your point, Dave, is not just try these guys, but also how do we build that kind of culture where these guys can – Whatever, whether it's improve the weaknesses or really enhance their game, it's what you should be doing. It's why well, Denver. Look at I mean, look every at guy they put in is good. That's but not, you know, that's not but because they drafted good. But there's a point there, and I think you're. I'm not disagreeing. That's a huge thing. I think the team you get drafted by often defines your arc, especially the first, you know, maybe no quarter of your your career. Yeah. Um, but the league, I th- I also think about this. It's not across the board. There's still teams with a very a lack of talent. But there's a lot of teams with with. Too much talent, and Denver's one of them. They've got guys, Malik Beasley, finally getting an opportunity, and he looks like a player every team will want on their roster. Juancho Hernan Gomez having a hard time getting on the court in Denver's lineup. Most teams want him. So I think that they're – Awesome. And so I wonder if more so than maybe – especially 15 years ago where I think the league might have been a little bit thinner uh, of talent than where it is now, top to bottom at least. Um, I wonder if there is just more of these guys that come into good organizations, sit the bench – 
for two years. They don't look like good players because you look at their per game, this or that, just not an opportunity, but they're learning behind the scenes. Malik Beasley, he had all of these skills coming out of uh, college. He was a, he was a great, great prospect, but he had to reduce his game. He had to come into the league and just be a catch-and-shoot, three-and-D type guy and slowly add back parts of the game he was developing in college because at the NBA level, it's just tougher. So um, the trajectory for some of these guys, I, I think, is a little bit slower because of how much talent there is. I, I stand by like Mark, uh, Michael Carter Williams. His career was ruined by being in Philly when they and what they did was, you know, they played a super high pace, put the ball in his hands, juked his stats to flip him as an asset. It, it was basically the Billy Bean model with closers <laughs> in Oakland, right? Like, oh, um, we're going to fool some franchise into thinking that this guy is is a different player than he actually is. And I also think Michael Carter Williams was never a point guard, right? Like I think in the NBA, he was going to be a wing. And if he had just developed a, sh a shot, he could have been a really good player. And then now we, here we are, uh, what is it? Six years later. And he is what he is, right? He's going to be in China next year or something like that. So um, Oklahoma city has done a really good job with uh, Terrence Ferguson, right? Like came in, he was super young didn't look great. And now that guy, I mean, he's, he's essentially, uh, kicking, uh, uh, Andre Robertson out of the starting lineup when he gets, when he comes back, he, they're not going to be able to start him. He's too good. Uh, Jay just said something into the chat that I can't, that I can't see. So, um, text it to me, Jade. Uh, <laughs> let's see. All right. Um, Dave, you know what that is? What is it? It's the Alvin Gentry quote that he gave. He got pissed off about the Pelicans being a second-class organization. I'm only doing this to fire up Coach again. And it reads like a parody. It reads like – Can you read it? Uh, he says, if you don't believe me, I'll take all you guys to the practice facility and you guys can go visit any other one in the NBA and you tell me that it's not as good as – any place in the NBA. He was fired up, right? I think you saw yeah. us, Adam. To say that, it's really disrespectful to, to Mr. and Mrs. Benson since they bought this team. Then he goes, they've been nothing but supportive. She's been nothing but su supportive. Now, this is the funny part. She flew from here to Portland to watch us play, then all the way to watch her horse in the Kentucky Derby, and then flew <laughs> back again. To me, anybody that questions her dedication to the Pelicans as opposed to the Saints, we all love the Saints. Hell, I support Sean. He supports me. He got on a plane and flew out to San Francisco to watch us play Golden State. <laughs> it's just a, it's just so funny. Um, I like that people hang to watch like your team play at the bar. Yeah. Hey, hey <laughs> right, I, I'll fly right. to watch New Orleans. I, that, I'm down. I heard you can get uh, courtside seats for like 50 bucks. That's amazing. And it comes with a hot dog and a Coke. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to take some questions from the, from the Twitch chat. Uh, again, for you guys listening on audio, this is, we're going to be doing these uh, live Twitch shows. So if you want to get in, make sure you go and uh, follow the count the dings, Twitch at twitch.tv slash count the dings. Um, I'm going to start with coach on this one uh, from Drewski is athleticism overrated. Well, are we talking about like beauty pageants or in, in basketball? No, fuck no. Are you kidding me? Now, obviously, every individual player has to be evaluated. Luka Doncic is a good athlete. He's coordinated. How you define athleticism, a very different subject. Steph Curry is a phenomenal athlete, just not on the metrics. But most people think like how fast does he run? What's his highest jump? There's other ways that people like me measure it. But this is this is a fast. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a father and I coach high school kids, too. 
there is a huge, huge advantage that really can't be mitigated if you're extra long, extra tall, and super fast and athletic and bouncy and strong. It's just a big advantage. I'm going to say yes, even though I think we're it's just a semantic disagreement, sure. though, because, look, yeah, of course, athleticism is a huge part of the game. So if you have it, then that makes everything else you do a lot, a lot better. But there's a lot of players in the league right now who are really, really, really skilled, average athleticism or not, who are outperforming players with much more athleticism and a, a, a decent amount of skill. So and that's why I would say, yes, it is overrated, um, but it's still awfully important. It's a limiter. Right. Yeah. So uh, this I wish I had a good was impersonation because I'm about to talk about Jason Tatum. OK, so Jason Tatum is got a lot of skill, but unless he can. I mean, he, I don't think he's going to be able to become a better athlete. Like he's not this like athlete that jumps off the page at you when you're watching him play. Yeah, he's I a good NBA that, athlete. He's not a right. Right. And I so I think what you see is he could be really close to his ceiling and what he is. Um, he can get his skill a little bit better, but I don't know how much growth he's got. Cause he's, again, he's very skilled, um, uh, but he's not, but he can't dribble. Right. So, okay. So he can he work on his hand one. His, his game will explode. If he can learn to dribble the way, but not like KD, as much. the way Harden did. Right. But he's not the athlete that no, Harden he is. No, or that not. KD is. And so it, there is a ceiling. You really need both. I mean, this is why LeBron yeah. is the skill best. and athleticism, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if Jokic was a better athlete, imagine what he could do with all that skill. And so yeah. I, I will I will agree with Coach. It is not overrated. I think it's equally as important as skill. You have plenty of guys that have no skill that get by only on athleticism. Right. It's not Tons ideal. It's no. not ideal. If, I tell you what, if you have athleticism and basketball IQ, you, you've got a shot, especially if you've got you know, size and length and all of that. Uh, it, it, Robert Covington, to me, when I watched him play, had no skill that I saw. I thought he was a really athletic, long dude that kind of knew where to go and what to do. Uh, he developed his skill. Kawhi Leonard, not a great athlete. That's, yeah. that people don't realize that. Kawhi Leonard in the Chicago pre-draft camp, vertical jump, 28.5 inches. Wow. Uh, my son does better than that. I and didn't he's not know a great that. athlete. Yeah, yeah 28.5. And he had no skill, by the way. <laughs> when he came out, he never shot better. I think twenty nine percent from three. His first two years at San Diego State, he immediately went up to forty in, with the San Antonio. He wasn't really a ball handler. He didn't really have a position back when they thought it might be important, which is why he didn't get in the lottery. And but he knew how to play. Like he understood how to compete. He kind of knew where to be. There's a there's a feel aspect. There's a spatial connection that needs to happen. Basketball is supposed to be jazz, right? He understood that, and then he developed the best he could physically. So he became a powerful player. The Spurs had a big, a big to do with that. And he developed his skill as a shooter. And then don't forget, the Spurs used to play summertime, pass and cut, move, boom, boom, boom. And then once Kawhi learned how to dribble and get a post game, they said, fuck that. We're going ISO. All they did was feature Kawhi and get out of the way. And he just bulldozed everybody. That was skill acquisition. Yeah. Uh, another question from the Twitch chat uh, from Big Island 3. If the Lakers get rid of Luke, who could they bring in that would actually be an improvement over Luke? First of all, Luke is not a good coach. Okay. It's not a, it's not a terrible coach, but he's not a good coach. Like he needs, and this is goes back to a point that, that coach Thorpe and I continue to make that the head coach for most guys is actually two jobs, right? Like you need two guys to do that. Luke has done a really good job on the defensive end. And in particular, getting these guys to expend effort, getting young guys to, to try hard, is actually not that difficult, but getting him to try hard in a way that equals success is hard. And he's done a great job there. His offense is, ugh, I mean, disgusting. Um, 
but he's he's a good relationship manager. That's why he was great in Golden State. They already had the right. system. They had that amazing amazing coaching staff, and he was awesome at being hands off with the guys that needed it. But but being hands on with a guy like Draymond, he was out there still rebounding for him, despite the fact that he was coaching a team to a thirty nine and four record. Like that's where Luke Walton I think is great. He may top out as a very good assistant. And that doesn't doesn't mean he's a, a shitty right. coach. But because um, this, this is for Coach Thorpe. Um, how much of being a head coach in the NBA do you feel is about the relationship aspect of it? Because the more I'm around the game, the more I feel like it's more than 50-50. And, and maybe oh, yeah. you have assistants that are maybe a little bit better at – you know, some of the strategic in-game elements or whatever. Um, but maybe I have it backwards because you make it sound like Luke Walton would be good because of the relationship part as an assistant. All right. So it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's complex. It's, it's a nuanced situation. Uh, I don't think Pat Riley was buddies uh, uh, with his guys. I think they trusted him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they trusted him to put them in positions to be successful so they can make more money because they won more games, right? It's really, that part is simple. It's just hard to build that trust. It's hard to do that and manage the egos, not just every individual player has his own company, right? Their own story. They all have to worry about that and you've got to manage all of that. Um, that, that is challenging. The X and O's is, is big at the highest level because you, you, you just have a lower ceiling without that agile, mind to, to create stuff, add some tweaks here and there. Uh, uh, Dave and I, I don't remember if it was you or, or Tom that we had Dave Griffin on talking was about, Tom. was that okay? It was Tom. It was it was, Tom. Dave Griffin talked about how Lou um, allowed someone else to do defensive stuff all year. And then Lou took over in the postseason. I think that's genius yeah. because it's just going to have a different flavor. And now teams have to adjust again. Also, you're developing your staff, right? Which that, is always which is a good huge thing. also. Yeah. yeah. I love people, I love what he did there. I've got some recommendations though for the job. Well, okay. They're gonna fuck it up. The, the, All right. The I want to hear these. They're gonna these, fuck it this up. This is great. Not okay. Jason Kidd. Well, that's we're gonna get to that. Like I said, they're gonna yeah. fuck it up. Yeah. LeBron already knows who the, he's gonna have. Sure. Again, he signed long term for a reason. He knows what's going on. Okay. Mark Jackson. Oh I, no, that would be funny. I think it's me, Jason Kidd, which is almost as funny. My my first choice, and I would I would back up the truck for Jay Wright. They're never, huh. they're never going to do this. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. There's fucking no fantastic. Also, I don't think he's going to leave Villanova. I, th- I, I think he really loves Coach it. Coach Anthony Davis and LeBron. I think, think he would. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. They're not going to do it. But he, but he's incredible. He, if you ever watch Jay Wright, forget he's about his, he, he turned Villanova into right. a power. Forget about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's a brilliant basketball coach. He's a total people person. Uh, I have friends who have great, great players. And we had a local kid here that I helped out a lot, a high school kid. Actually, he's in California, plays for USC. Um, but what he told me his dream school was going over. But they visited, Jay Wright visited a couple of players in the area here that are, we have a lot, you know, Kevin Knox was here, right? So we had a lot of great coaches coming all the time. Everyone always talked about Jay Wright and what a class, charismatic guy, whatever. I, I think Tony Romo is pretty good. I watched the fourth quarter of the Chiefs game, first football action I watched of the year. He was amazing to listen to. I heard the stories. And every team scored, every possession. I haven't seen a punt. So I haven't watched the NFL all season. I watched one quarter. Nobody punted. Everyone scored in every possession. It was great. So he was interesting. But no, I think Jay Wright would be great. But they're going to fuck it up because that's what the Lakers will do. They fuck it up. They got lucky because LeBron saved him. Right. And, uh, and they're going to hire Jason Kidd, and he's going to suck. I, I think they're going to hire because I think they're going to hire Mark three Jackson. Great players. Huh? I think they're going to hire Mark Jackson. No fucking way. Yeah. I think it's going to be Mark Jackson. 
Oh and by the way, but you know what? He, he's a clutch. Isn't he a cl- representative? He's a clutch guy. Yeah. Listen, here's what I, I will. I will give a little bit of credit. I think if LeBron wasn't there, if LeBron wasn't there, Mark Jackson would have been a good hire because he, he did a, he did a really good job with the young guys in golden state. He wasn't going to get them to the next level. Yes. Defense. Right. Um, I think Vinny Del Negro would have been a good guy. If LeBron wasn't there. Breaking news. Underrated. Uh, uh Oh, breaking news. Woj reporting with Zach Lowe, Ramona Shelburne in a meeting with management today. Nick's forward, Chris Death Porzingis, expressed his concern with the losing franchise direction and an uncertainty that a culture is developing that will enable sustainable organizational success. Wow. You know, okay. So let's, let's actually, talk about this. Yeah, there's, this there's was something going on here. So uh, he's not happy there, clearly. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's doing his rehab with the team. Um, wow. Fisdale, Fisdale came out the other day and he talked about all of the, all of the good teams essentially like learn, you lose, you get your butt kicked. He actually said this. I mean, you get your butt kicked and that makes you better. He's right. He's dead on. That's the way to get, that's how you get better in the NBA. You have to, you have to get your butt kicked. Not everybody's coming in, kicking the shit out of everybody. Like Anthony Davis did, who was good as a rookie, right? Like LeBron James, good as a rookie. Not a lot of guys do that. KD, I mean, was on a terrible team. He sucked for three years. KD's third year in the league, he had a negative plus minus. When he was on the court, the team was worse. His yeah, numbers uh, were good, right. but his impact was bad. But uh, the, the Warriors, Steph Curry, I mean, they were, they were not good his first couple of years. It's just how it works. Like, that's how it works. You, you cannot just come in and expect to be good. And now what I will say for, for Porzingis, he's now been there for a while, <laughs> and they've sucked the whole time. Yeah. Right? They haven't gotten any better. But he's also a restricted free agent this summer. Like, I, this is a very interesting play. First of all, him being bad has nothing to do with what he's seeing with the Knicks. I think you can I think you can right. look at the Knicks and say, yeah, we were expected to be bad because this, this, and this. But this is dysfunction at the highest level for, for a team that should have everything handed to them. They should be right below the Lakers in terms of advantages. And and they're not. And I think it it's clear as day for him to see it. So I'm not surprised by this. Requ- I'm a little surprised, by, I guess, by the timing of it. Um but I'm not surprised that it's coming to this because this is what players are doing now. They know their legacies are on the line. They know there's no time to waste. And if you give an organization three, four years and and this is what you get, you say, maybe I don't want to rehab and come back and and spend prime years of my career here. That's that's the issue. Adam is exactly right, uh, Dave. That that's That's what I was talking about when I said there's a bigger issue here. And that is the players are finally waking up. And I give LeBron so much credit for this. Like we are done just getting paid by you and shutting our mouth and you terrible fucking owners and GMs, whatever, fuck our careers up until we get lucky enough to go somewhere else where we can have some years in the sun. Yes, they're getting paid well. This is not about being paid. There's just more. If anyone will tell you, there's more to life than that. And and I tell you what hurts the Knicks is that team in Brooklyn. They they seem like they got it going on a little bit. The coach is good. Yeah. Management's good. That those guys eat each other in the clubs at night, whatever. And, the, and those guys in Brooklyn are fucking happy. Yeah. And, and, and I just to close the bow with, with Anthony Davis, uh, if we really were talking about contenders and where we go to enjoy himself and not the fact that he's already, he's long ago known he's going to LA, uh, Brooklyn would be my team for him. Like if I, if I was his friend and I'm not, I would say, dude, it's the sexiest franchise in sports. 
If you if you can be the face of that franchise with that coach and and you can win there, you will be one of the most famous athletes on the planet because every people in China know Brooklyn. Right. They don't know Florida. No. They don't, they don't know yeah. states. They know yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. You go do that in that little borough. Wow. That's awesome, man. Be, you'd be in movies. You that that is good spot. It's a good franchise. Yeah. The Lakers and listen, the Lakers are living off of an old legacy. Right. Yeah. And, and a great city. And a great city. Absolutely. But you know, they have no player development whatsoever. I, I hate that I always it always winds up with me crapping on the Lakers or Brad Stevens on the podcast. The yeah. <laughs> but but it's true, man. Like you just what a fail. It's a failure. And you've got all this money. You can print money. You know, we were talking about Ty Lu uh, developing coaches. Right. Oh, is that not possible in LA? Ty Lue, oh, Ty Lue is an option for I sure. Mean, that would be to me super smart. It's an option. I, I used to not like Ty Lue. He he's really a good grew coach. on me. I don't think he's the world's greatest coach. I no. think he's a good coach. He's a good he, coach. He's not the best coach. He's a good coach. And what you don't need fantastic. to be the best coach when you got LeBron and Anthony Davis and Kyrie or KD. He's fantastic <laughs> at game to game adjustments in the playoffs. Like he's a very good playoff coach. His tone is really good too. Yep. He's. Uh, I always, Adam, I don't know if you do this. I always try to watch post-game press conferences as often as I can. During the regular season, it's harder because there's yeah. always games on, and I, I want to pay attention. Post-season, I always try to do it. Uh, I, I love Ty Lue's tone. I think he's so measured, and he grew. You can't, you can't play four straight years in the finals. I mean, Steve Kerr's benefit the same. And not learn a ton. It's, so it, four, four years of finals runs – is like 15 seasons. Yeah. In terms of knowledge. Yeah, right. Because yeah, you're doing you're playing the same team every time and you're having to make those adjustments or tweaks or yeah. clean stuff up. I mean, his his knowledge game exploded in those four years. And having having LeBron wasn't a bad thing either to learn or whatever. So that that to me would be interesting. But LeBron is afraid to do that because everyone knows it's his choice. Yeah. He, he wants yeah. to run the team without you really knowing it until he retires, then he'll admit it. All right. Big Ty Lue, they know it's LeBron's choice. So back to Porzingis, he's a restricted free agent this summer. Uh, teams are going to make an offer. I mean, they're, like I think someone like the Spurs may even bring a max offer, even though he's coming off the ACL. Because why not, right? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if we might not see him moved before the deadline next week. There is a chance. Like no that. Way. I, listen, I think let's get the crazy. Knicks. The Knicks could put together a, a package around Porzingis, Porzingis, and their number one pick for Anthony Davis, and it's probably a better choice for New Orleans than anything anybody else can bring. Yeah, but then he, he'd be yeah, the best they player could they could keep, They could probably keep Porzingis as a restricted free agent. Exactly, yeah. Um, Anthony Davis is just going to tell them, guys, I'm gone in a year. Whatever right. you do, I'm gone in a year. So you just get rid of your first-round pick and Porzingis. Take a, it's a risk, home. right? Yeah. It's a risk, yeah. right? That's, that's um, too much of a risk, though, man. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, it's not a happen, lottery ticket but risk. But I'm saying they could. Uh, I wonder, like, it, the Spurs would have to basically decide that they're not going to make the playoffs, and so they won't do this. But I wonder if they wouldn't try to put together a deal for, for Porzingis right now. I mean, unfortunately, they just don't have a ton. But they're going to make an offer this summer. Like, I, Ooh, I'm Spurs? not the first person to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They love Porzingis, and they should. They should. He's really fucking He's good. Really good. Yeah. I think with Porzingis and your Knicks 
thing in, in Anthony Davis specifically, if the Pelicans do decide to bring this to July 1st and the, the Knicks do win the number one pick, um, then maybe you can talk about them assembling some sort of super team, you know, over the summer, but that would only happen. They would only make that trade. You're talking about Dave, if they knew they had for just for example, just throwing names out there, a Katie Kyrie, Anthony Davis trio, they could make, but right. they wouldn't do it at the trade deadline, not knowing if they have those guys. Yeah, they want to, they so, want Chris to help recruit KD. I think if they got AD, they could get Kyrie. They're really close. I, I, again, you might be right, but what a risk. Because as David said, you, can flip you throw away everything but for you could one flip year. AD. You could flip AD, right? So um, if you made a trade for AD right now, let's say I'm the Knicks. I, I say Porzingis, uh, Pick, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., whatever. Get AD on the roster. Okay. Yeah. So then you go into the summer. He's still got a year left on that contract. He's not getting any worse as a player. Maybe he's getting better. But he's played in New York for a few months. You make your your free agent pitch to Kyrie Irving and to KD. You've already got AD in-house, right? Maybe those guys convince AD to stay. And now you've got your super team. If it doesn't work out, you still got it. Anthony Davis, and you can flip him. It, it, you oh. know what you could flip Anthony Davis for? Brandon Ingram. Zubats, Brandon yeah, Ingram, yeah, exactly. and the rest of those guys. And, and the Knicks would actually be better off with those dudes than, than what they have currently. I, listen, I'm just saying, I've got to think outside the box sometimes, fellas. What, hey, now, you brought ahead. up, you, you were talking about players empowering themselves. Uh, Bill Simmons calls it pre-agency, which I think is is actually a perfect name for it. Yeah. The That's next Jaylen step. Got to get Jalen. Oh, Jalen. My bad. My bad. Jalen, um, who has me blocked on Twitter for some reason. I don't know. I caught strays. <laughs> um, but I think the taking the qualifying offer is going to be the next version of that. And I, I wonder if KP might not take the qualifying offer. I, worry, I, I thought about that except for his knee injury. The ACL. With an ACL tear. That's just, yeah. can you really risk that? that I, I'd be, that'd be bad. I mean, you can get some insurance to cover some of the difference, but it's hard to get paid on those insurance policies. You have yeah. to really be disabled forever, basically. To, right. It would be, it'd, it'd be bad advice, advice to Chris Hobbs. Coming maybe off the ACL. Two-year, maybe do a two-year deal. Right. And get, you know, 40 million or whatever his money would be. So yeah. you're not poor. Right. Um, and then and then go somewhere when you're, you're not even in your prime yet. And he's still young. Well, but if you're in New York, there's no incentive to to sign him for that that lower years. Right. Like uh, two no, years no, no, is just no. not enough. You want him for the you want to give him the, the full five year. Right, but what if he says I'll do two years only? Well, is he going to sign the qualifying? Well, be, you have to sort be, of call his bluff, be, right? They'll have to match anyway. Someone's yeah, going to give them a, a max. Deal. Yeah, yeah, he's going to get full whatever the max is. He's going to get it. Yeah. Someone's giving it to him. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the qualifying offer is, is sort of that's the next step in this whole pre-agency thing. We may see it with with Ben Simmons. If Simmons doesn't want to be in Philly, which you know there are plenty of stories out there about it. Um, you know, maybe he wants to go somewhere and be. The, the the star player on the franchise, or he wants to go to L.A. and team up with Anthony Davis and LeBron James when he's 36. Yeah. Um, Here, here's my thing about this pre-agency, and I'm all for it. I'm all for what LeBron has created with players, you know, having power and taking back power to control uh, their own destiny. Here's what I worry about. The Cleveland Cavaliers did nothing right, and they got their super team because of what LeBron orchestrated. The Lakers, in my opinion, did nothing right, and they're, they might very well end up with a super team. I'm not sure that this idea that players are going to force organizations to be great is, right. is accurate. They're going to force them not to be terrible, but they could just, you know, 
it's not going to happen because I know he doesn't want to play in Chicago, but Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis could decide they want to play in Chicago and go to Chicago, not because of anything they did, but just because just they, they want to live in power. Chicago. And that's a situation where to me as a, a, a fan of a small market team, I look at and say, this stuff is all great for the players, but is it actually going to help the, the league? Is it really better for the league? I, 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 that's the part I, I worry about. I, I look at it this way. So you, you, your best cities, your best franchises are always going to have that advantage, right? So now if you can sprinkle in the well-run teams that are from smaller markets who have to do things uh, with a little more agility, a little more intelligence because they're never going to attract the top A-list guy. I don't know if they'll win championships or not, but they'll be good. And so yeah. you're going to have the best of both worlds. You're going to have the really smart team doing really smart things, finding ways like just like Denver's done. And then you're going to have the L.A.s who just luck out because they're L.A., where, where, where Cleveland's fucked because there's no one else coming from Akron that was, you know, was born there like LeBron that would go back there. So unless they, let's say, hire Dave Griffin again, or and I don't even know the guys that. Well, they won the lottery three times in four years. <laughs> I bet. Well, I've already said we got to get rid of the. Uh, we got to get yeah, rid of that. We, yeah, we already. Yeah, we already solved that issue. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> if they, uh, if they, um, if they get lucky, great. If they hire the right people, they'll manufacture it, which is better for the league. I know this. There's enough talent to support a 450-team league where every guy is terrific. The world – I mean, I watched games. I was talking to a friend yesterday. I said, I have to go. I'm watching a game. Uh, it's an Israeli team versus a Germany te- German team. He's like, man, you're sick in the head. But I said, one of the students of mine is playing on the team. He's like, well, you're not that sick. But there's talent everywhere. I'm not – I'm not saying they're NBA-level talent in all these places. No, but, but it's close enough. And certainly the ACB and the Euro League and even the Euro Cup has NBA-level talent. Uh, we just got to get 30 really, really well-run teams, and the league top will be, will be even richer. Well, so you know, someone in the chat actually brought this up: the the NBA academies, right? Like, could we see as a way to solve the draft issue, and maybe even like some of this uh, terrible franchise stuff? Like, do we need American NBA academy? Is that a way to fix a lot of the problems with the way the franchises are run? No. No. It's not going to do anything. Uh, well, 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 tell me what you mean, Dave. So, be, be more um, specific about the so, academy. Okay. So, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Uh, oh. they've, got, they've got academies. But, those are, but that's not a country. That's a team. Right. I know. But this is what I'm saying. So, the Lakers get to have their own academy. The Nuggets get to have their own academy. They're scouting talent around the world. They can bring these people in when they're young. And then develop them the way that they want. And then the good franchises are going to have the good players, right? Because you're actually controlling the development of these guys from a super early age. So I mean, it works in soccer. I, yeah. And as somebody who's been, I spent a week at our academy in Wales last year, uh, which was in, really an incredible place uh, for, uh, for Swansea City. Um, I will tell you this in, in talking to the, as many international people as I do now for two different sports, mostly still for basketball. There is a price, and that price is a lot of these young men are signing with clubs at 16, and they're ending their education right then. And you'll never hear me say, oh, you got to go to college. I know for my kids, whether they were geniuses or elite athletes, they're going to go to college because of the best four or five years of their life, and hopefully even more for law school, grad school, whatever. Uh, A lot of these – so I was talking to some adults, people closer to my age – who are saying there's just there's so many more of those players. We talk about the few kids who came right out of high school to the NBA didn't make it in, the, in America. There's a few. There's thousands 
over yeah, the years yeah, yeah. of kids who sign or and just they don't if they don't ever make it for lots of reasons, injury, whatever, and they have nothing to fall back on. Not to mention just an education. It's the networking, right? It's the it's the learning how to how to become a a, a person that takes care of itself. A lot of these pro athletes they don't make their own meals. They don't do anything. A lot right. of these places. So I, I don't think you're wrong though, Dave, in, in at all in theory that we could do a better job holistically. Uh, and I don't want to go into that now. I know sure. this: we dominate the world in basketball, and we're not running optimally. Right. So if yeah. we really, if the NBA really got involved with grassroots level development on the coaching side, that would tri- and the parent side, that would trickle down to players, and we would dominate even more because the raw talent for this sport is better than any place in the world. Dave, I think the the academy idea you're, you're floating, number one, is Dave, to Dave's point, I think it would be a bit exploitive. I think there'd be a lot of people that would, would, would fall. I mean, sure. you know, maybe even just as bad, if not worse, than AAU. But more importantly, you know, there's two theories with, with, with markets in general. One is that they refine themselves over time. And the other one is that it's really, really, really hard to, um, to sort of funnel them in the direction that you want. And this is what you're talking about. We'll get academies and we'll funnel the type of player that are coming through that I just don't know that I necessarily believe in here's one thing I do believe in though the players coming in today are a little bit more influenced by Steph Curry the Golden State Warriors this idea of collaborative talent and not being the guy and I think that can have now it might take a whole nother generation but I think that can have when when players young players are aspiring to be part of a team and part of a even part of a super team quote-unquote but just a cog in a, in a greater machine that's a lot different than what p- players were aspiring to 20 years ago in the wake of Michael Jordan to no fault of his own but I think players were wanting to be the next Jordan the more players that come in wanting to be the next LeBron or Curry or, or a collaborative talent, you know, I think that actually refines the process as much as any type of regulation or whatever, you, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? All right, look, I've got a, a, another thing we can talk about here. Um, this from the uh, Count the Dings Discord, which is the Patreon exclusive Discord. So if you subscribe to the Patreon, you get into the Discord, get to have all these discussions all week long. But we were discussing uh, – Best players of all time. Okay. So I've got a top tier that consists of Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and LeBron James. I've got Steph Curry in that next tier with like Tim Duncan and Shaq and all these guys. But I was Wait. making a Where's Magic and Bird? Magic and Bird are in the second tier. Okay. Okay. So I was making a case that that Steph Curry could possibly be in that top tier already because of how much he's affected not just the league. But the whole sport at every single level, he's right. done it. Now, people mention Shaq and Steph Curry is the three point version of Shaq. You can't be Shaq. Exactly. As a 10 year old. You know, I mean, first of all, physically, you're not going to no one is ever going to be Shaq again. But you can be Steph Curry and you can. He has changed the dimensions of the court. Does that kind of stuff matter when you're thinking about legacy of players? Adam, go. Let you talk, Adam, because I've been thinking about this a lot. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna bank it in a different direction and just say we've had players like Tim Duncan who have been, you know, what I'm this word I'm using, collaborative Collaborative superstar, whatever. Um, and you know, Tim Duncan doesn't win Finals MVP some years. He he doesn't care. He's there. He's he's just excited. And I think, you know, you have. Kobe, you have Jordan, you have LeBron, these guys that have really been outspoken about their own greatness, and, and they should. I, I have no problem with these guys saying, I'm, look at how great I am. But I do think that's going to be Curry's, among Curry's biggest legacies is we all, the, 
I think the three of us all think he is either the best or second best player in the NBA, or at least he's up there. He should be in those conversations, but he's not a finals MVP. He sometimes isn't the best player on his own team in a certain game or whatever. To me, that's the biggest legacy. And Zion Williamson coming in, by the way, I think takes a big dose of this from Steph Curry, at least the way he's awesome. The things he says and the style he plays. Dude, I talked to him in April at Hoop Summit, and that was my my biggest takeaway. First of all, I think he's going to be special just because of his attitude. Yeah. And then you watch him play. And to be so much better than everybody on the court, but to have an attitude that team success matters and that your your teammates being successful is more important than yourself. I mean, he can't get enough shots. And, and He's I don't shooting like seventy seven percent from the floor. And I don't want to take anything away from him and say he doesn't deserve the credit because he does. Right. But I'm yeah. saying I wonder if it's a little different if he comes into the league 15 years ago, if he's influenced by a little by bit Michael Jordan, Zeitgeist. Right. Yeah. Well, I think so, Curry is the most impactful as far as like on the culture of basketball since Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Iverson was very impactful. I coached in the inner sure. city when Iverson was go. big. Uh, so LeBron, Jordan, Magic, Duncan, uh, Bird. There's my there's my top five. It used to be Jordan, Magic, Bird. Like I knew that like I knew my kids' names. Jordan, Magic, Bird. Like end of discussion. LeBron changed that. Then I thought Duncan changed that. And I was an enormous Kareem fan. Read every everything he's ever written. Um, I, I won't argue with you on Kareem. So we can we can debate. It doesn't matter. Uh, to me, Duncan was just a little bit better, whatever. But how about this? So James Harden makes, I think it's 100, 125 points per 100 shots. Number two in the NBA. 125 yeah. points, not per 100 possessions, per 100 shots. That includes... His free throws, though. Okay. Right. Steph Curry does 135. <laughs> like Kevin Durant's at 124. Steph Curry's yeah. at 135 per 100 shots. He's the greatest offensive player in the history of the game, and he's somehow getting better. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> he, he may end up being top three. I'm not going to put a ceiling on him. He might get yeah. seven rings. Yeah. What I'm arguing is when Durant, Durant, it's going to be hard for Durant to leave after this season. When they win again, it doesn't mean he won't leave. He can do what he wants to do. And I'm not sure he knows what he wants to do. I know he's definitely leaving if they don't win. Right. But they're going to win barring, you know, serious injury to a lot of guys, whatever, because they can handle one injury and still be fine unless the injury is to Curry and then they're fucked. But let's just, let's just hope Curry's fine. Durant's going to go somewhere else and Curry's going to probably win it again next year. I don't care what LeBron does. And it's great if he gets KD or Kyrie and A. A. Davis. Amazing. But Steph Curry's the best offensive weapon in the history of this sport. And as long as they have solid, like guys like Draymond around them, a couple of shooters around him, a coach like Kerr, the management ownership is great. They're, he's going to be the favorite to win every year. He's just that much better than everybody. Here, so uh, someone in the Twitch chat uh, said his one qualm with Curry is he feels he gets too much credit for what he does indirectly on the court. That is a bad take. Listen to me. What? Just by virtue of standing on the basketball court. He is a danger to score. I mean, he can literally, as soon as he hits half court, there is a threat that he might take a shot and make it. Something, uh, he he's shooting like 60% over 28 feet. Don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm not going to pull it up here, but he's shooting a ridiculous number on 28 feet. And it's basically a dunk. It's basically a dunk. But <laughs> what I will say is, what he does is, he can just stand on the court. He doesn't even need the ball. The defense has to know where he is at all times. And you see... When they lose him, it looks like the biggest mistake in the history of, of, of every sport that you've ever seen. It's like, how do you lose Steph Curry? And yet, 
teams do it all the time because he never stops moving. So his movement and his just presence on the court is just as dangerous as when he's got the ball in his hands because he opens everything up for everyone else. His gravity is unparalleled. Well, there's something else, too, and, and Adam said this. When you talk about teammates, why I ranked Tim Duncan in the top five. Magic, the, these guys were incredible teammates, and their impact went beyond their pure on-the-court performance. So is Steph Curry. Steph Curry chose. Steph Curry's better than Kevin Durant on offense. Okay, he is better. And and I think I think Steph Curry knows it. But Kevin Durant didn't need to hear that. And so they won two titles relatively easily, actually, except for the, you know, the Rocket series, uh, because Steph Curry was willing to let KD be KD and and was and just showed nothing but class yep, yep. all the way through. He is the real deal as an everything. I don't know the man, but he's the real flipping deal. And uh, and his encore performance is like we've never. Yeah. Impactful. Uh, he all, my son loves Trey Young and his buddies love Trey Young because, and by the way, he's pretty good. If they get Zion, they have their pick this year, don't they? Yes. Oh my, this, I, I, I love John this. Collins. All right. After Adam finishes, I want to talk about this hypothetical Hawks team that we could have next year. I, anyway, I got nothing. I got nothing. Okay. I want to hear about the it. original Trey Young. And they could, guys are just they could have, if they somehow wind up with the number one pick, which is what I'm rooting for, because I, I think Atlanta is not they're not just failing into that pick, right? Like they're actually, they're, they've got a plan and, and they're working forward and I want to see them succeed. They have Trey Young, who is potentially an all-timer. He's good. They've got Kevin Herter, who can like really shoot the ball, but also is a good defense, basically like Clay Thompson. And what they're doing, I, the blueprint is there. It's really, really interesting. If they could get, and, and John Collins, very good. Fucking Shooting good. the three, like you wouldn't believe, like is, is a legit stretch five. Um, it's really, it's, it's wild to think that they could somehow wind up with a super duper version of Draymond green that could, <laughs> that could do it on the defensive end and the offensive end. I don't know if you guys saw this clip from the, the game the other night against, uh, was it Notre Dame, uh, the defensive he, clip where he was guarding their point guard. He, and like staying in front, I mean, it was a mirror drill. The guy could not get past him. Should have given the ball up a long time ago. And clearly this guy's not an NBA player. But to watch a guy who is probably a four in the NBA just because of his ability to actually be able to do that, right? I like, don't know. I don't know, I, man. Sometimes. He can play any position on offense. Yeah. Right? Um, but defensively, like, he can switch one through five. Yeah. Get out of here. He can he can protect the rim. I well, think the thing that we'll see in the five, NBA. One through five, you know, not against Adams, right. not against Nurkic, not against Jokic. Yeah. As a right. backup, he can play a five. Well, it's like Draymond. Like, Draymond right. can't, he's, he's can't guard Jokic. He's, yeah. some, somebody, somebody called him a dancing bear, and I hope that, I hope that <laughs> sticks because that's beautiful. the best description I've heard. A dancing but he's bear. Gonna, he's going to be able to, to be a weak side helper. Uh, he's going to block shots. So if you pair him with a guy like John Collins, who can who can protect the rim a little bit, you're going to have a hell of a Collins defense. really six ten. Yeah, jeez, you're going to have a hell of a defense. I love that guy. And and what's crazy is that they they might move Torian Prince, but I I really hope they don't because I think Torian is going to be a good player. Um, he is the perfect guy to play with those dudes. Like Atlanta, if you're if you're listening to this show or if somebody from the front office is watching right now. Don't trade him. Hang on to Torian Prince. He's going to be good. Also, he's got the best attitude of all time. I, I love that dude. Um, but yeah, Atlanta, we got to uh, – NBA, we need to rig this. 
We need Zion in Atlanta. <laughs> it's close to South Carolina where he's from. It's a good story. We also just need him to go be in the East. We need to balance this yes. out a little bit. Well, I think he's going to be in the East somewhere. Yes. <laughs> he's going to be in the East because, I mean, I don't know if you've watched the Tankathon rankings, but uh, Phoenix is really is the Phoenix only team I think flux out. I mean, this is bad for the NBA. Can't let him go to Phoenix. So Can't we have 15 this. playoff caliber teams in the West. We, we have solved this issue. Uh, it, we're putting it into bed. Zion Williamson going to Atlanta. I'm going to make it. Wh- Coach Thorpe, I need you to call in all your favors. We've got to we've got to make this happen. Um, and that this is a good place to wrap. I, I think that, uh, you know, we're going to end on a high note. Zion Williamson, the next special player to hit the NBA. And by the way, someone in the chat said, did Dave say Trey Young could be an all time? I'm an all timer. Absolutely. You got that kind of court vision and and uh, no fear. You you really do have a super high ceiling. He's I really think. skilled, too. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he's in, he's incredible. Um, but yeah, so we're going to wrap up. Adam, thanks for coming on the show. Everybody, uh, check out all of Adam Mars' stuff over at Denver Stiffs. Coach, see you next week. Trade deadline. Uh, I'm going to try to convince Jade oh, that, man. that we should do one. this. Yeah, I'm going to try to convince Jade that we should do this maybe live at the trade deadline. That could be really interesting. Let's get uh, some chaos. Yeah, we'll introduce a little bit of chaos to Nerder, she wrote. Uh, for the super producer, Jade Hoy, I am Dave DeFore, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you guys for joining us.